Hello, everyone, all of my weed freaks, pot nerds, cannabis curious people. Thank you for turning on this podcast called When I'm High. We are here with another guest. Uh, this is Becca Dysack. Becca is somebody that I have known um, probably just about my entire life. Uh, we have not spoken for a long time. We've all become adults and gone our own ways. Uh, but Becca... Um, I think actually has a, a special relationship with cannabis more than um, other people. So I'm going to let her tell you who she is and what she does, why she is being interviewed on this podcast today. And uh, Becca, take it away. Well, yeah, my name is Becca and I live in Southern Oregon. And like many people in Southern Oregon, my partner and I grew CBD hemp for two seasons and we have made a bunch of CBD products out of what we grew. So we have this really sweet, just little wellness line that includes CBD tincture and CBD salve. Um, we distill our own essential oils for the salve. We work with a local lab that's really beautiful and ethical. And then we also wildcraft other medicinal herbs in the woods and grow some healing herbs as well. And the CBD, we got excited about. I've never actually been a really huge pot smoker. I've smoked it fairly consistently for the past 20 some years, but it's never been a central part of my life. But learning about the medicinal qualities of CBD got us really excited when we decided to move to Southern Oregon about being able to make some really good healing magic for people on the ground that we call home. And uh, what is the name of this uh, this little group company that you've got? Our business is called Nymph and Woodsman. And it's very descriptive of my partner and me, Seth, is <laughs> an Oregon-grown man, the big beard, and he can live in the woods with like a stick <laughs> for probably for years at a time. I'm jealous. <laughs> and And I'm a little nymph. Yeah, and we when we met, we met in the woods at Brighton Bush Hot Springs, and one of the <laughs> things that we did together was we we went foraging and we'd collect fiddlehead ferns and mushrooms, and so we would eat wild food for dinner a lot. And then we learned we started to learn more about medicinal plants, and they're in great abundance. I mean, all over everywhere, but in the Oregon Cascades especially, there's so many wild medicines and. Um, yeah, and that's actually what, what got us excited about growing our own. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. Those are really, really good skills to have. And I feel like that's probably something I should learn because you never know when the apocalypse of some kind is going to come and you're going to need to live off the land. Uh, so how did you then, was there a natural transition into growing uh, cannabis CBD specifically? Or was there something that sort of sparked that? Well, Seth, actually, now that we're talking about it, he was more interested in growing THC cannabis at first, but realistically, like the market is so flooded, you know, there is just, we are in like the epicenter of cannabis growing, Southern Oregon. And so the market for THC just plummeted and the price you could get for it was super low. And, but and oh, and there's also so many regulations about growing it and selling it. You just, mm. it's very logistically compl complicated and bureaucratic. You have to work with the 
Oregon Liquor Commission, and it kind of falls under those restrictions. But hemp is, and CBD hemp is with the Department of Agriculture, and so it's subject to rules, agricultural rules, but not all the liquor style rules. So, and the CBD was just, this was two years ago, it was just sort of breaking out in a big way. And so the market wasn't flooded. It seemed like something we could make a good income doing while also um, getting to grow this gorgeous healing plant. Um, so we moved down. We left the hot springs where we were living in cent- in the Oregon Cascades and moved down to Southern Oregon just like, okay, hopefully we'll find some land and be able to grow some hemp this year. And it wasn't look like we weren't finding land. It wasn't looking like we were going to be able to do it. And then a farmer down the road needed help and they were growing hemp. So we worked for him for like a week. And then these old time ranchers, like from like way back in the woods, were driving by and they, they stopped and they were like, hey, we're interested in growing some hemp, but we don't know how to do it. We've got this creek that's spring fed and we've got 40 acres and we've got all this equipment, but we need people who know how to do it. And Seth, you know, Seth has never grown hemp on a, I mean, he'd never grown hemp at all. Um, He's grown plants, (laughs) but he's like, I could do it. (laughs) So we, he and one of the ranchers and another farmer all went in together and bought a whole bunch of seeds. We put 99,000 seeds in trays and that is a lot of seed like it's I yeah it's a tremendous amount and we did it like the very latest you could possibly do it to actually have a, a crop that season like it was very pushing pushing the edge of the season and it only we ended up growing 15 acres which you know seemed like oh you're gonna do 40 15 seems way less but it was crazy how much work it was. I mean, I see these huge, there are huge farms out here, like 50, 100, 200 acre farms. And hemp is wild. Cannabis in general is like this too. THC cannabis is the same. It takes so much care. They need a lot of nutrients. They need to be fed with fish emulsion, which smells terrible. Mm. And um, all kinds of things. We had all kinds of problems, like Right when we planted, the first night we planted, we came out and 20% of what we had planted had been chewed apart by grasshoppers. So mm. just leveled. So that was a real impediment. And so we had to stop for a couple of weeks and <clears throat> take care of the grasshoppers. <laughs> um, but they, they, we ended up growing a lot of beautiful plants and we were harvesting them like with ice chunks. It was in November when we were harvesting, which is really late. And we're up at high elevation. And so the the branch, the stalks were like sucking up water and freezing and we're harvesting in the ice and we'd have like four hours of sunlight. Yeah, it was it was wild. I don't remember what your, the question that just prompted this response was. <laughs> yeah, it was just about how you got into it. That That's a crazy story. So um, how, how long ago was this? And um, I assume that you are currently growing or have plans to grow more as well. Well, that was uh, 2018, so two summers ago. And then the owner of that property sold the property. And we had all of the the hemp 
turned into crude oil, which sounds like petroleum because that's the only time that we hear that phrase usually, but mm-hmm. it's really just like the concentrated resin from the plants. So it's thick. It's like tar. It's almost solid. And that concentrated crude oil then we took to a lab and they mixed it with alcohol and oil for our tincture and with some oils for our salve. And so we still have a lot of gallons of that, like a lot, a lot of like years worth of that. Oh, nice. Last year we grew one acre of hemp and that was much more manageable. And I actually, I didn't really participate in the growing the hemp for me. It was, I didn't really enjoy that (laughs) process. I was like, I'm I'm more of a potion maker than a hemp farmer. (laughs) Um, But Seth, his partner's a friend, you know, was a farm partner and they grew it. And, and we had, now we just have an abundance of hemp and it's, it takes so much money and so much time and so much effort to grow it that we did not grow any this season. And I don't know that we will for the foreseeable future because now CBD hemp is having the same situation that THC cannabis has had where the market's really going down unless you want to sell in the black market, which we're, we're doing everything above board um, mm-hmm. legally. So uh, where can people find you? Website, social media, that sort of stuff? Yes, website and social media. Our website is Nymph and Woodsman, and it's like M A N one man, not many. dot com, and Instagram is Nymph and Woodsman, and Facebook is Nymph and Woodsman. In addition to you know posting stuff about our CBD products and our other healing products, I also offer tarot readings and astrology readings and. I make art and sell like calendars and cards and books and it's a very um, diverse offerings that that you can experience. Very smart, uh, and of course, I will put the links to all that stuff in the episode description. So if anybody is interested in all of those things, uh, go check them out. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I know that you said that you, you're not maybe as experienced in the cannabis world in terms of, uh, getting high as maybe some people. Um, but, uh, you know, you said it was, it's been fairly regular for the, for 20 years. So I'm hoping that you'll have some good answers for my questions. Um, so our, my first question, everybody knows this question. Uh, when was the first time you tried cannabis? And if it wasn't the first time that got you high, can you also tell us about the first time you got high? What was that experience like? This is fun. You can, I don't know if you ever went to my childhood home, but um, we had this two story playhouse in the backyard, and your sister <laughs> and <laughs> Thea and I, um, we decided we wanted to get high. And Thea was seeing some guy, like some cool older guy who wore little suspenders and he was going to bring some weed over. So we went up into this top of this clubhouse, but it had not been used in years. You know, we weren't playing in it at that time. And there were all these squirrels tails. Like it was so weird. It was like some animal had taken all these squirrel tails and put them in there. So we had to clear out a garbage bag full of squirrel tails. Then this guy, Bob, I think was his name, came over, passed a joint I don't know if I got high or not. Like, I definitely felt, like, funny. But what I remember (laughs) after that was going inside and making toast. And and we're making toast, and our toaster was never clean, and so it started to smoke. 
which set off the smoke alarm. And my parents are asleep. And my mom is like, a fear of fires. And so she's like, what's going on? Is there a fire down there? And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm oh, high no. for the first time. And <laughs> the smoke alarm's going up. <laughs> so, yeah, that uh, that's what I remember. I, I think we were probably 17. It was right after. I think we'd graduated from high school. And, yeah, we graduated from high school. But hadn't gone to college yet. I took a year off after high school. That sounds like a very stressful situation. It was- <laughs> and then uh, was there was there a different time that you remember more clearly of actually getting high? You know, I I think one of the first times I really remember being high was also with Thea. I hope she doesn't mind. I'm naming her um, and your sister. And that was maybe a year later. And we smoked pot at Thea's house. And we walked down the alley by the graveyard to uh, South Boulevard Beach and went swimming. And I just remember the water, like the way it felt to my body, feeling so incredible in a way I'd never experienced before. Yeah, that's that was the first time I really was like, okay, I see, I see what this is all about. Yeah, I don't have any personal experience with that feeling of water uh, while high, but that does sound pretty interesting. Um, maybe that or other things will come up in some of my other questions. So yeah, I really love hearing people's first time experiences because they're always pretty entertaining. Uh, <laughs> food seems to be involved often, uh, which is great. There's been popcorn and uh, your toast story, I think is really funny. Um, so, so these days... Uh, do you have a preferred method of intake? Is it smoking? Is it edibles? Yes, I prefer smoking. I I've, have had some positive edibles experience, but I feel like not be, not knowing, well, when they're homemade, not knowing the potency. Yeah. Just, it, I, you know, it's like I either have a good experience or I don't feel it or I feel it too much. And, um, and I've had some store-bought, edibles which i've appreciated that it's measured out the potency but i'm not that keen on the quality of the store-bought edibles so i don't i don't really go for those so yeah my my preferred method is to just smoke out of a glass pipe it feels kind of old school at this point i've never really liked the vaporizers because there's something about the feeling of the smoke on my throat that that is an indicator to me like, oh, I'm, I'm getting it. I can feel it. Whereas smoking on a vaporizer, I can't feel it as much. And, and I don't like getting too high. So I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't want to accidentally get too high, which is another reason I don't like to smoke from a bong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so you are in Oregon, which is, uh, it's legal there to, to get your own stuff. Um, are you also growing or have you also grown, uh, THC cannabis? Do you get it from the wild? Do you get it from a dispensary? Do you get it from a a person, you know, uh, what's, what's your situation like over there? Yeah, we don't grow it. I've never grown it. Seth hasn't grown it. Um, but if we don't buy it, it's there's so much abundance, you know, everybody, everybody. That's crazy. Has so yeah. Yeah. Don't every I mean, I have bought a little bit at dispensaries and again, like at first when it was legalized, being like, Oh, maybe now I can figure out exactly what percentage of sativa versus indica I want or THC C B D. But honestly, I I am not my 
my mind or my palate, I just don't have that level of sensitivity to it. It feels to me like my getting high experience has so much more to do with scene and setting and my own internal process than the chemical constituents of the weed. Yeah, definitely. Um, when you think about getting high in general, um, you know, I don't know how often that is something that you think about other than when somebody is asking you a question on a podcast. Uh, but other than the stories that you've already told, is there a certain story that sort of jumps out at you of, oh, this is a great story from my past What in terms of getting high? Well, <laughs> one of my favorite times getting high was on a family vacation in northern Wisconsin, we, a friend of a friend gave us, or a friend gave my sister a cookie. And I had never eaten pop before. I mean, this was like 15 years ago, maybe. And we each had like really just a bite of this cookie, which is a really good thing. And so we get in the motorboat, and you know, it's just like those rowboats with a little outboard motor. And we're on a chain of lakes. And so you're on one lake and you're like, oh, let's go into that next lake. Oh, let's go into the ne- this next lake. And it's like a little maze. And so we're like three lakes out and the the cookie starts to set in and I'm like looking at the water and I totally finally understand why J. Crew calls its blue splotchy fabric like lake water because it looks like the fabric. <laughs> and we're having a great time and we run out of gas and we're like three lakes out, right? Oh. And we're like, oh my God, oh no, we gotta row all the way back. So that's fine. And my sister's partner is in the boat with us. And she's like, I love being with the Dysock sisters because they're both trying to prove who's more butch. So my sister and I are like fighting over who gets to row us back. And we go in the wrong, like we enter the wrong lake heading back. Right. So we like go into this lake thinking we're going home and end up at a dead end pond. And finally we make it back. Um, And it was, you know, it was like, we just got to spend all these hours on the lake. But then we had to have dinner with like my 16 cousins and 16 aunts and uncles. And I had never been around people so high before, you know, who weren't I and who I wasn't sharing what I was high with. So, yeah, I think of that in a really positive way. (laughs) It was also kind of like, wow, this stuff can be really powerful. Yeah, what what was it like being with all of your family and your cousins in that state of mind? Uh it was just I think it made me self-conscious. Mm-hmm. But then I whenever I feel high, you know, self-conscious because I'm high in front of other people and especially in front of my extended relatives, I'm like, you know, I think they think I'm weird anyway, so I don't <laughs> I don't think that this makes a difference in their impression of me. And it as far as I know, didn't and hasn't. Yeah, I think that um, mostly when people start to get a little anxious or paranoid about feel or seeming high, I think it's mostly in their head and other people, you know, don't even notice or it's, uh, you know, such a minimal change that it's not not that noticeable. Um, so, so these days, how often do you uh, imbibe in the cannabis? Well... I went on like a one and a half year hiatus because when we were in 2018, when we were growing hemp, it was very stressful for me. And I found that when I smoked pot, it just exacerbated that. And finally, there was enough times of being like, oh, you know what? This is not working for my nervous system. I really kind of stopped altogether. And then 
maybe just occasionally over the past year and a half in conditions that felt like, okay, I don't feel stressed or anxious, so probably I can smoke and feel okay. But then, I don't know, a couple months ago, I smoked. I was like, oh, I don't feel anxious, and I smoked again. So I've been smoking, I would say, like almost every day or four times a week maybe. And it's not like I'm high all day, but like I'll maybe I'll have one event, like smoke a couple hits a day, mm-hmm. four to six times a week. Um, and I usually, I don't know if this is going to answer a question that you're about to ask, but I really like to do it. I don't like to get high like for work. Like I don't want to waste my high on work. And I also, I do feel dumber and slower when I'm high and I work in a fast. I don't work that. I don't work for other people that much, but I work um, in a bread bakery a few hours a week. And that's just not an environment that it works for me to be high in. So I really like it when I'm going to be doing something where I'm already free, you know? So I love going on walks in the woods high or drawing, doing creative stuff. Um, But I think my favorite thing to do high is is yeah being outside walking and stretching stretching always feels really good to me when i'm high yeah these are definitely things that uh we 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 can just get right into that um so sort of a a two-part um are there my next question was actually going to be are what what makes you decide to smoke at a at a certain time in the day you sort of already answered that but um you know is it uh does it get to a point where like hey i want to go for a walk or i want to stretch so i'm going to smoke or is it just like the end of the day the work is done now i'm going to smoke and then you figure out what to do how 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 does that work for you i would say it's more the former yeah if i'm if i'm like I'm going to go for a walk. Ooh, I want to get high beforehand because that'll just enhance the delight of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's usually the activity before the the pot. Whereas, like, with wine, if I don't I don't drink that often, but if I have a bottle of wine around, it's definitely, it's more the, like, ooh, I have a glass of wine and I'm going to make an event so that, so that I can have the conditions where I want to drink the wine. Whereas, yeah, the pot more follows the the activity. Okay. And then sometimes, I mean, Seth smokes a lot more than I do. So if we're hanging out and he pulls out the pipe, I would be, I'm often like, oh, I'll have a hit in, in situations where I wouldn't necessarily think of it otherwise. Right. And so in terms of nature, what, what is so good about being in nature, going on walks, uh, what is so good about that when you're high? What's different? I think I'm more capable of really being in the present with it, like really being in the beauty, seeing the beauty, taking it in, feeling it in my body, like just the the movement feels really good in my body. And my mind does tend to get active and again I'm not like refined enough in my experience to know like oh if I have sativa it's more active and creative I don't know but in general it seems like if I get high and go on a walk I have really generative um it feels like I have generative creative thoughts and I you know I've heard people talk about that on your podcast and in general I think like with my sister and her partner often will write down notes and like, oh my God, that's such a brilliant idea. And yeah, the next day it's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> Is that? I don't know. When I was in grad school, 
I was in grad school for creative writing, environmental writing focus. And so I was just writing volumes of essays and creative essays. And if I'd get to a point where I was stuck, I'd be like, okay, I got to get high and go on a walk. And I'd get high and walk it out and could usually like get to a point of inspiration that does feel less accessible if I'm not high. Yeah, so let's talk about creativity because um, that was definitely a question that's going to come up, come up, and it always does. Um, I don't know what do you. It sounds like you do feel a bit more creative. Uh, what what sort of the the mental process like? How are things different uh, when you get high in terms of creativity? It's a good question. I think you know. I'm thinking about um, this good friend of mine who she's like you know, I love talking to you, but I prefer talking to you when you're not high because you're not, you don't seem as sharp as you do when you're sober Mm. and, and you don't track as well. Like you get more distracted. And I totally get that conversationally, why that would be challenging if it is a different dynamic than normal. But I think those qualities are what make the creativity more possible. So I think I am more distractible. I think that my mind can follow or wants to follow more paths and tangents. I feel very tangential. And I I think the creative process for me is so connected to um, integrating a diversity of knowledge and perception and ideas and fields of study. And, and so to have that mind that's like bouncing around um, helps helps me be more creative it it seems like it leads to breakthroughs more than if I'm not high and just having like a linear thought process where I'm locking my own self into some thought train yeah that's an interesting way to put it that you're you're sort of bouncing around with different things and and that that'll get into something else that we're going to talk about um so what sort of creative or creative things do you do in your daily life that this might affect hmm well I mean most of my creativity right now, like right now, is really funneled into our little business and just like writing things about different plants we're working with or, you know, doing newsletters or blog posts, um, designing labels, all of, all of that sort of more business type writing stuff. Uh, but I also draw consistently and, you know, make cards and I just finished a calendar for 2020, 2021, if anyone's interested in checking it out. But yeah, I that's a, that's a good question because it does feel different than when I was um, in grad school or, you know, I've I taught for many, many years college and, and to d- develop curricula, I would often get high and go on walks. I don't, I don't have as much external pressure to produce creative work as I did in previous years. Mm-hmm. So it it feels more like like my creativity and and ideas that are coming up for me are more really along the lines of like how how do i create this life that's self-sustaining as an artist as a potion maker as a wild crafter as somebody who likes to teach and facilitate and you know add the covid layer onto it as somebody who likes all these things and want, wants to interact but has really shitty Wi-Fi and low access to reliable Zoom and low access to privacy. Yeah, those are the creative questions that I've been grappling with. And I can't say that Pod has solved those <laughs> questions by any means. 
Yeah, yeah. Do do you ever um, do any of these creative things, drawing, writing, especially writing, and then do you uh, get high and look at it later? Mm. And does it feel different? Do you do you view it differently? Um, no. I mean, I I feel like being high is is productive. Like, it has a positive impact on the quality of the writing or drawing, especially drawing, because for me, drawing, like what I draw is, is whatever I'm immersed in. I'm drawing what's in front of me. I'm not making stuff up. And, and so it, it helps me sink more deeply into the, the landscape or the experience. It also helps me, you know, you're asking, what is it about being in nature that feels so good when I'm high? And I think it makes the feelings of awe and wonder more accessible. I was kind of getting at that when I was saying beauty, but that like swelling of like, oh my God, this, the way that my coffee cup looks on the plate with the crumb from the cookie just looks so beautiful (laughs) in a way that I don't know that I would appreciate um, if I was perfectly sober. So, so yeah, I think it has a positive impact. And as for my writing, similar to the creative like mental process it yeah it helps me weave together ideas or articulate things in ways that might even surprise myself which maybe my more sober self um needs to edit or refine but that the raw material that comes out i feel i feel like is really generative and robust that's cool. Uh, we we sort of got off on uh, these tangents earlier than I normally do, so I don't think I even got to ask you this one question, which we sort of already touched on a little bit, which is um, just in a general sense, what to you, what does it feel like to be high? Mm. When it's the kind of high that I like, it feels um, kind of floaty, light in my body. It feels a little bit gauzy like it can it's it's a weird combination of on the one hand feeling like noticing details more clearly and being more integrated in my environment at the same time it it, in my head there feels to be a little bit more like gauze (laughs) somehow and I think that's you know what my friend is seeing and feeling and experiencing in her reflection of um I just feel like there's something between us when you're high that makes it hard to like really focus. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's funny that you brought up your friend uh, twice now, actually, who who told you what you were like while high, because there's one question that I have asked that I don't think ever once somebody had an answer to, but you you actually answered it before I even asked the question, which is, has anybody ever told you what you were like when you were high? Uh, have there been any other people who have, who have said that? Uh, it's funny. No, I, not that I can think of. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I just think it's funny that, uh, that you answered it before I even got a chance to ask it. Cause I was like, eh, nobody's gonna, no, but this has never happened to anybody. Uh, but I think it's funny that she actually called you out on that. It's like, you're, you're gauzy. Not that she used those words. Um, but you mentioned focus. Um, what, how does your level of focus change when you get high? Yeah, I feel like it, it, it gets, um, more dispersed focus. I mean, cause another thing I like to do high is like, like if I have to clean the house or clean the bath, my, my chore here, I live in a community of people, like a commune and we have a shared bathhouse. 
And my one of my chores is to clean it every week. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to get high and clean the bathhouse. But it, I end up being getting really um, ping pong bally with like, like, oh, I have to go focus on this thing now. And, and I'll find myself cleaning out a cubby that didn't need to be cleaned out. And that leads to something else. So it, I can, I can get hyper-focused on things, but it also makes my trajectory a lot more unfocused, Mm -hmm. large picture. What is it? So I'm assuming that there are other people in this commune area uh, who also smoke as well. Do you ever smoke with them? Is it more of an alone thing for you? That's a good question. Yeah, I don't really smoke with them. And I do, I, I've always, for me, smoking pot has always been more of an alone thing unless I'm smoking with like a couple of good friends, but none of, none of my friends are really big pot smokers either, which what I was going to say about, um, when you were saying that you've never had anybody have an answer about what do you like when you're high? Maybe it's because a lot of people you interview hang out with other people who smoke. And so they're all just, they're, they're having that like, oh, we're all in this together experience. Right rather than a sober person but yeah so it's and I also especially like in college and younger years like just felt like a dork like I felt like there was all this like etiquette and what it how to how to smoke pot how to use different devices like I didn't know about all the devices and just the language and the dreadlocks and (laughs) and then just feeling I, I wouldn't say I get socially paranoid but just I have a strong introverted side and I think that comes out for me even more when I'm high. So yeah, for me, it's been mostly solitary, although I do smoke with Seth a lot, especially because he's usually the one who has it and is instigating. And that is really nice for us. Like we laugh a lot. I mean, we do laugh a lot together anyway, but it just seems like even more of an invitation to be silly and playful and, um, or just, just, relax like we do a lot of driving to beautiful places and walking and lying down in meadows and um pot is always a really nice accompaniment to that yeah that's not something that everybody gets a chance to do (laughs) go you know be so close to nature and do that i i have a very small like one block radius forest preserve near where i live and that's about it Mm -hmm. uh so i'm i'm very jealous about that um what is how is it different getting high alone and getting high with people? Um, what what do you prefer about being alone? Is it um, is it the is it the thought process? What's going on in your head? Hmm. Hmm. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think all of it. I think that those the activities that I like to do when I'm high, like walking and doing creative stuff and doing chores. Those are all things that I prefer to do alone anyway. So there's that. Although I'm thinking, you know, I do have a few girlfriends who love smoking pot. And if I'm in a place where I'm not like, oh, no, pot's just making me paranoid right now. I do enjoy smoking with them. But they're such like pro stoners that I don't feel like it really affects their behavior or our interaction at all. You know, it's just like, okay, it's normal for you to be high a lot. But I like it. Yeah, I think I think I I prefer smoking alone. It takes me deeper into the experience and and I I can have like a strong emotional like my emotions can feel more intense 
when I'm high. And so if I have a strong emotional response to somebody or something feels awkward or something's irritating or something's tragic, like it just feels so much more intense if I'm high and interacting with somebody where I'm like, I don't that often want to put myself in a position where that's a possibility. Yeah. Do you think that plays into the idea of focus, getting so much more hyper-focused? Yeah, probably. And just like the focus as a companion to the self-consciousness, like both of those things together. And maybe there's more body awareness. Like maybe there's a little bit more of a somatic just awareness. You know, that's the thing. I'm always curious to know more about the chemistry and the neurobiology of pot because I'm like, does it actually, is there something happening with our nervous system that does make us actually feel things more intensely or is it more our perceptive abilities, which is also our nervous system, but is it just more a perception of our physical experience that is more in tune and, and makes me think I'm having a more physical experience than normal? I don't know. Yeah, that's why I find this stuff so fascinating because there are still so many questions and a lot of it is so subjective and seems so uh, just the way you perceive something to be, you know, that's like how the food tastes or your experience with nature or, you know, great ideas, you know, are those things real or are we perceiving it? That I mean, and, and it depends on, you know, every situation and every person. Mm-hmm. So I have decided to end part one of Becca's interview there. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you again to Becca. You will hear me thank her a lot at the end of part two. Uh, So of course, as usual, here are the things that I have to say at the end of the episode. Please follow me on social media. On Facebook, it's at Doc. Twitter and Instagram are both at WhenImHighDoc. The email is uh, WhenImHighDoc at gmail.com. Um, please share this with everybody you know, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, as you all know, that really, really, really helps get this more exposure. Um, uh, so I've, I've got some ideas on other ways that I can do that, but um, really it comes down to you fine folks. Uh, please get this out there because I, I think it's really fun and entertaining to listen to. Um, what else do I have to say? I think that's about it. If you want to join the Patreon and give me a few bucks each month, that would be cool too. Um, I think that is probably just uh, patreon.com slash when I'm high. I should probably, it's in the episode description. You know how to find that. Anyway, I'm going to end this there. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, this is Spencer and my guest. In this case, it is Becca uh, talking about uh, cannabis and what it's like to be high. <laughs>